The scripture reading this morning is Psalm 46. It's page 491 in the Pew Bible. If you want to follow along, I'm reading the New King James Version. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to end the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Adam. During the month of May, uh, we are giving a, a special emphasis toward missions. Now, we're all about missions all year long, but during the month of May, we're trying to emphasize it even more. And we are being reminded through a number of different ways that we can accomplish more together with other churches and other people than we can if we try to go about it our, by ourselves. And so as we, as like-minded churches, share resources together, we're able to fund missionaries to take the gospel to different parts of the world, different segments of society. And we're able to mobilize people to go to places that maybe we can't go or we're not able to go. And we're also able to provide services to our city that we could not provide if we tried to take it on by ourselves. And so May is a month of missions. And we've been, like I said, reminded over and over again so far even from a number of different speakers that as we partner together with other churches, other parachurch groups, other people, we can have a far greater reach with the gospel than if we tried on our own. And so today what I want to do is look at an Old Testament text, this psalm, in Psalm 46. And I want us to look at what God's agenda was, what His mission was in the Old Testament as it relates to missions. And then next week we're going to look at a New Testament text. And what we're going to find is that His mission is the same, both in the Old and the New Testament that he is concerned with making his name exalted among the nations. And so let's turn our attention to our text this morning in Psalm 46. And in this psalm, I want to point out three truths regarding our refuge, our hope, and as the people of God, our mission. So first, let's look at our refuge. Now, why would you need a refuge? Just think about it. Why would you need a shelter? You know, the only reason you need a shelter or a refuge if there is if there is something out there that threatens your security. 
If, if there's something out there that threatens your security, then you want to go to a place where you can ward off that threat. You can escape or hide from that threat. Uh, for example, if you've ever been on the lake and maybe you're fishing or skiing or swimming, and then all of a sudden you see those clouds roll in, and you know that it doesn't take <clears throat> long for those clouds to, to come upon you on the lake. And so what do you do when you see the storm clouds come? You say, well, we'll just ride it out. No, probably not. <laughs> you say, I'm going to try to find shelter as quickly as possible. I'm going to try to get to shore, go into the house, find a picnic shelter, something to escape the storm, to hide from the storm. I want to find a refuge. I want to find a shelter. You want to find a, a secure place you know, so your life can be preserved. And I think when the, psalm, when the psalmist tells us in verse 1 that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble, he's telling us that the only way for us to preserve our lives is if God is our refuge, if we find refuge in Him. You know, a place of ref, refuge is a place where you go to feel secure, to gain security from those that may threaten you. And there's a reason why we call the troubles that we face the storms of life. Because we see them roll in and roll out and cause destruction many times. And so the question is, when those storms of life come rolling into your life, the question is, where do you go for refuge? Where do you go for shelter? Where do you go for security? And the psalmist tells us that our refuge should be in God. He's the one in whom we should find our security. And uh, one scholar noted, he said that our security, our true security is in God. Not in God and anything else. And that struck me as I was reading that. You know, our security, our refuge is in God alone. Not in God and in anything else. It's not God plus anything. It's in God alone. He also says, the psalmist says that God is our refuge, but He's also our strength. In other words, He provides security in times of trouble in this life, but He also gives us strength, meaning that He gives us the fortitude to actually endure the trouble, endure the storm, endure the trial. See, when you're caught in a storm, for example, on a lake, you run to a shelter. You run to the shelter and you stay there until the storm goes away. It's as if you're hiding from the storm. And you have to do that if, you're, if your refuge or if your shelter is a place. But our refuge is not a place as Christians. Our refuge is a person who is always with us. And what that means is, as the storms of life come upon you, you don't run from them, you don't hide from them, but you're able to endure them and actually live in the midst of them because God is not only your security, but He's your strength. And as Christians, we can endure the difficulties, the trials that come our way. We don't have to retreat from them, we don't have to hide from them, but even in the midst of them, we can live. And we can live the way God would have us to live. So God is both our shelter and our strength. And then the psalmist says He's our very present help in trouble. And in verses 2 and 3, he defines what he means by trouble. 
And I think he does a pretty good job, pretty graphic image of what trouble would look like. He says in verses 2 and 3, he says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So the psalmist is using a, a fantastic image of trouble. It's as if the earth itself, the ground we're standing on, gives way. You think of an earthquake. Or the storm's rage, you think of a hurricane. Or some great storm. And the question is, even with our great technology today, who can control the earth? Who can keep it from quaking? Who can stop the storm? So even though the psalmist is writing this many years ago, even today, we have no power over the earth shaking, the storms brewing. And you saw that even several months ago when Hurricane Sandy hit the northeast and hit the great city of New York. The greatest city of the world. What happened? What, ha- what, what did the people do in New York when the storm hit? They ran. They ran for shelter. Because you, cannot do any- you can't do anything. We have no power over the earth we have no power over the storm. And I think the psalmist is telling us that you know, in our lives, there are going to be situations and events and trials that come your way that are beyond your control. You cannot control them. So that begs the question, where will you go for strength and security? And he says, even though the earth gives way, Even though the sea roars, we will not fear because God is our refuge and our strength. He is the stable one. He's the one in whom we can rest. So even in the midst of all the things in our lives, even though they could be falling apart, all the things that we know to be true in our lives could be falling apart, God stays the same. He's the stable one. He's the one in whom we can rest. He's our refuge. And the second truth I want you to see is that God is our hope. He secures our future. In verses 4 through 7, the psalmist writes, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And what we see here is that our hope is grounded in the promise of an eternal dwelling place with God. That's our hope. That God is preparing a place that He will renew the earth. He will do all that's necessary for us to spend eternity with Him. That is where our hope is grounded And the psalmist calls this place the city of God, or the habitation of the Most High. This is where God dwells. This is where God's people will dwell. And it's God's job to establish and preserve it. Now obviously we want to establish a great city here in Augusta. We want to do all we can to make this a great city, a safe city, a city where you can prosper and enjoy life. But we know that the kingdoms of the world, they they fall, they rise, they totter, they rage. And there's no security in that. 
but it's God's job to maintain and preserve and establish this city, the city of God. And that's where God's people will dwell forever. And that is where our hope should be found. And so here's the question you need to ask yourself. And that is, is your trust, is your trust in something or someone that can last forever? You think about it. You know, are your dreams, are your hopes built on something that endures forever? Is your hope built on something that cannot be taken away? That's what the psalmist is telling those who have faith in God. This city, this relationship you have with God cannot be taken away. And for those of you here who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you can know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now as you absorb that, does that not give you some sense of security? I mean, does it not give you some sense of stability? That even though all the world caves in, you can endure. You are secure. Because God is the one who fulfills His promise. He's able to withstand all the chaos of the world and all the nations and all the things that are going on. And your future is secure because He's able to secure it. The psalmist tells us that God is our refuge. He's our foundation of hope. Now, if those things are true of you, if God is your refuge, if He is your hope, if these things are true of you, then you're ready for this third truth, which really ties into this focus of missions that we're giving attention to in the month of May. And the third truth I want to I want you to see relates to our mission as God's people. And we see it in verses 8 through 11. In verse 8, starting in verse 8, the psalmist writes, Come behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know those first two words in verse 8 sum up our mission as God's people. Did you see it? Verse 8, come behold. Come behold the works of the Lord. That's our mission. So in our lives, in our words, in our deeds, everything we're about, we should be saying, come to God, beholding the work He's done for you in Jesus Christ through His death and resurrection. Come behold the works of the Lord. And then we go down to verse 10. And this is a very familiar verse. And you may have this verse on some piece of artwork in your house or on a refrigerator magnet. Or something like that. And you probably can quote most of it. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we stop there though, don't we? And we don't follow through on the verse where it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now what's interesting 
as I was studying this verse and in this passage. When you come to verse 10, you have to ask yourself, who is God speaking to there? You know, oftentimes we think that He's speaking to believers, His people. He's telling us to just calm down, be still, and know that He is God. But really when you read the passage, I think what you see here is His target is not the people of God, but it's the nations. And primarily it's those who don't believe in God. And what He's saying is, is that he, there will come a time where He's establishing His kingdom and He says, be still. In other words, stop trying to go against Him. Stop trying to build your own kingdom apart from Him. Be still. Know that He is God. And then He says, I will be exalted among all the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In other words, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And He's telling us to be still. And what we see is that everyone, everyone will be still. Everyone will be still and know that He is God. Some of us in our stillness at that moment, we will be overjoyed because God is coming to rid the world of sin, death, and Christ is going to renew all of creation and we're going to be filled with joy. So those who have faith in Jesus Christ will be full of joy. But then there will be those who have frantically tried to live their lives apart from God, who will be forced into stillness and will have no choice but to recognize the God of creation. And the question is, will you be still now or then and know that He is God? He tells us He will be exalted among all the nations. And this idea of being exalted, it's a, it's a recognition of status. It's, it's a, you could say, a form of worship as we recognize who God is. And this is where we come in. Because God's mission is our mission. And the mission is to invite the nations to exalt the Lord. That's the mission. That's what we're all about. It's helping the nations recognize who God is and worship Him for who He is. And this has always been in God's plan. You know, Apostle John writes in the book of Revelation as he gets a glimpse of what will be. He says this in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So you get this picture of the nations exalting God, exalting Christ for what He's done. That will happen. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is how are we involved, how are we involved in God's global mission to be exalted among the nations? Briefly, I want to share with you three ways that we can be involved in God's global work. The first one is that we can pray. We can petition 
God to save those who are lost all around us. We can petition God in prayer, asking Him to work in the lives of our neighbors, the nations that don't know Him. We can all do that. We can all be a part of that, to be in prayer for those who don't know Christ. You know, we petition for many things. But how many of us are petitioning for the souls of people? The first thing we can do as God's people is we can pray. And we can ask for the breakthrough. And we can see people come to Christ. Second thing we can do is we can give of our resources. Because some of us are not called to be missionaries to other countries. You know, some of us are not called to be involved in disaster relief. Some of us are not called to be seminary professors. But we can come alongside those who are called in those vocations in order to take the gospel to places we can't go by giving of our resources. You know, we can put them forward by giving of our resources. And that's why during this month we're trying to collect an offering of $9,000 to give out to these partnership ministries so the gospel can go out both in the city of Augusta and around the world. We want to be involved in prayer. We want to be involved in giving. And so I want to challenge you to not only ask the Lord, who could I be praying for that they would come to know Christ? But I want you to also ask Him, how would you have me to participate in this missions offering? I think we could all give something and be involved in God's global work. So the first thing we can do is pray. The second thing we can do is give. And the third thing we can do is go. We can go to our neighbors. We can go to our co-workers. We can go to our family members. We can go on short-term mission trips. We can go overseas. But I think what we need to do is we need to be like Isaiah and say, you know, Lord, here I am. Send me. Where would you have me to go? To my neighbor? To another country? Just be available. Just be open where God may send you. You know, I don't know where God will send you. And I don't know what God will prompt you to give to this missions endeavor. And I don't know who God will ask you to pray for or challenge you to pray for. But one thing I do know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must be involved in the inviting of our neighbors and the nations to come and behold the works of the Lord. That is our mission. That is why we exist here on this planet, is to make Christ known. And so the question is, are you willing, are you willing, even willing to extend the invitation? And then the question is, what is the next step for you? What's the next step? Who could you begin praying for? How could you give? Are you willing to go so that His name would be exalted among the nations? You know, if God is our refuge, if God is your refuge, and spending eternity with Him is our hope, then we must be on mission to invite others to enter into a relationship with this wonderful God. Let us pray. God, we are so thankful for those who have gone before us, who have 
made it their mission to make yourself known. Well, that's why we're here. Someone was praying for us. Someone was giving resources. Someone was going to share the gospel so that we can exalt you and worship you and come to know you. That you can be our refuge. That you can be our strength. Our foundation of hope can be in you. And that we can be a part of your mission. Lord, I pray that you would challenge and speak to each person here. That you would help us not forget what you're all about in this world. Would help us to be in prayer. Help us to be generous and help us to be available to your kingdom work. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.